Justin, I'm going to set a timer here. Now, I know that we are... Uh, we're, we're we're a video game podcast for gaming enthusiasts and 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 lovers of video games, but uh, nerd language is universal. So I'm going to set a timer for about two and a half minutes. All right, uh, and I just want to talk about Black Widow for a second. Did you I, you saw it? Right, I did. I did. I did. Okay, uh, two and a half minutes starting right now. What'd you think? <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I I if I'm gonna like critique it uh, from a from a pr- movie perspective, it would just be that Black Widow was probably like Scarlett Johansson's character was one of the least interesting parts of that movie. I completely agree. Um, but in terms of being like a little spy film, like I I really enjoyed a lot of that stuff. It got a little ridiculous. Not necessarily spoilers when it like how many how far can someone fall without even getting like a little <laughs> nick or a little scrape. How how much can a person plummet through flaming wreckage <laughs> while also being just totally fine? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Um, uh, Scarlet, yeah. uh, not Scarlet Pugh, uh, Florence Pugh and David Harbour. We're, they stole the, stole show, the show, like both of stole them. The, show. The, the posing joke, loved the posing joke the whole time. Like that was yeah. one of the the funnier like callbacks and like the, like. And I was reading apparently that came from because on set um, she was just making fun of Scarlett Johansson <laughs> and then okay. that kind of just got into the movie because of that. Uh, David Harbour though was great. I loved it. Yeah. Without, without, again, without wishing to spoil, uh, I am excited to see where some of, if some of these characters show up in other things, um, because, because to me it feels like it, it feels weird that they would introduce a bunch of these characters and then just not do anything with them again. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and I, I think there's the, Wherever they go with like the timeline, are they going to go back in like the the past, present, future ish of like these stories? Like, there's some interesting things set up in the movie that I want to know how these characters fit into the greater MCU canon. Like, that'll be really interesting to me. Um, I do wish this just came out before Infinity War. <laughs> kind of weird that it didn't, right? I mean, kind of weird that it did not. Yeah, because uh, it it feels, and I, I've talked to some friends about this. It feels like. I don't know who said it, but it's like not too little, but a little too late. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like this, this would have landed in my opinion better because as we know, what happens to Scarlet shoot black widow, excuse me. Um, what happens to her in Endgame? Like this feels like, well, like, why are we getting right? Yeah, more yeah. of her now. But but you um, know, uh, I, I still enjoy. I like even like a Marvel movie that is not like Endgame or Infinity War level. Marvel movie are amazing movies and like the yeah. quality of this film is just great and it really shows you the difference between like Netflix Marvel and movie Marvel with just some of like the choreography and the big action yeah, set pieces and you know, uh, we're not here it. to talk go about movies it. we're here to talk about video games this is Hitbox <laughs> To Hitbox episode number 51. We're here today to talk about a handful of things. My name is Peter Hunt. Spitzek with me this week, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Justin Magovich. Today, we're going to be talking about the Stream Deck, the best-selling games of June, Netflix and Sony being in potential cahoots, and so much more. But before we get to that, Justin, 
I want to talk about video games. Like the games, not not the industry. I want to talk about <laughs> like just just the game, the hard. game aspect of it. Why we're yes. here? Yes. Uh, I assume you played some video games this week. I'm lying, of course. I know that because I can see the Google Doc. <laughs> but um, what what video games have you been playing? Uh, so one of them, uh, it's on. Uh, we both have this on our list. It's Scarlet Nexus. I yeah. continue down uh, chapter ten. And uh, I, like you, spent a lot of time this week before I finished Chapter 10 doing a lot of the side quests. Mm-hmm. And man, are those side quests horrible. <laughs> They're just not good. Yes. It, like, they do a good job. A lot of the side quests in that game are basically um, go here, fight this enemy, kill three of this enemy in this specific way. And they're yeah. ways like I never use in combat. And some of the mm-hmm. ways too are like really hard to like set up. Like you got to like yeah. charge your brain drive or whatever. It's just, it's just not very fun. Um, and then after doing that for about four hours, I came back and was just completing chapter 10. And I was just kind of like, <sighs> like I, my, my steam that was picked up by playing the story and then like p- going through these side quests just kind of died. And then yeah. like the moment to moment part of chapter 10 has just been a little bit of a slog to be honest. So I have completed the Yuito story and I am well into my way of the Kasane story. Let me tell you about the side quests. Do the easy ones. Cause you're doing Kasane story. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Do, do the easy ones. Like, because I'm the only reason I'm doing the side quest is to get this uh, trophy, yeah. right? You have to do 30. There are about 15 to 20 easy side quests that are just go here, kill enemy using an aerial attack, or go here, kill enemy using pyrokinesis or whatever. Do those ones and then just skip the like more challenging ones because you get a whole new list of side quests as the other character yeah i found that out because i was like looking up because some of the quests have the same name but apparently they have different requirements for Mm -hmm. uh the two characters so like i I was like oh okay i I get it um but uh, pro tip if anyone else wants this platinum scarlet nexus um check the side quest as you're going and whenever you see a new enemy like check it see if it's on your side quest list and then try to kill it that way otherwise you're doing a lot of backtracking that you don't need to because when i first started i wasn't doing that um so then i just had to like go back to random areas but they're pretty good about giving you the side quest for an area that you're going through at that time so it'd be a little bit more proactive with it because it's not fun just to to go through it but what are your thoughts about going to the two stories now is it great is it great is it good is it just the same Oh, well, well, uh, Yuito and Kasane play pretty significantly different. Um, I prefer Yuito just because it's very clear what he's going to do with the sword. It's just like forward attacks, uh, whereas <laughs> Kasane is a lot more like area attacks and stuff like that. Um, so I did it. There are two ways you can do it. You can do New Game Plus where you start the game with all of the skill points you like for your skill tree that you had in that first playthrough, which I had almost completed the brain map. So, uh, I just like, am very, very about, I'm level like 60 and I'm fighting enemies that are level 15. Cool. cool so cool. I'm just tearing through it. Apparently when you start the game, it, you can either do it, um, new game plus or just regular, but I'm trying to get this platinum. Right. So, um, it tells you that new game plus is not the way it's necessarily intended to be experienced because the enemies aren't leveled. But that like they don't they don't scale. scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
I will say I'm going to get the platinum on this, I think, because I like the game and I've already put in the work to the point where like by simply completing the story and like giving people gifts and I guess uh, maybe a little bit of side quest grinding, I'm going to be able to get the platinum. However, there's not enough new stuff so far that has made me want to really keep playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the biggest probably rift in the story is probably like chapter or uh, episode three to nine is probably where their biggest difference is in that. But even then, I know what some of the plot beats are because it's like Yuido and my story comes to me and is like, did I ever tell you what happened to this character? And then, That's the thing. And then it's like, we, we, oh, all met okay. up. we all met up and like Kasane is like, hey, here's what happened. Here's what we just got done doing. I'm like, oh. I don't need to experience that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I suppose that's fine. Uh, it's a good game. It's just, I don't know if the combat, because, I mean, like, that's basically just what the gameplay is. You know, like, there's nothing really to it other than the combat. It doesn't, to me, feel like it is sustainable for 40 hours. Mm-hmm. It's good. It was good for the 20. It was good for the, I, I did 25 because I did five hours of side quest mm-hmm. grinding. But um, does that make sense? Like, it's just not like, Maybe sustainable. Yeah, I would say with just the world right now, I do not think I'm going to put in the remaining 20 hours I need to platinum it. I'll, I'll finish the story, um, yeah. but I just don't know if this is a game I'm going to go back and platinum. And I was trying to like compare like Near Replicant versus this platinum list, um, and I think the thing that got me through the Near one was the hope that, or the at least the knowledge that there was some story stuff that would be drastically different if I played through the amount of play times I needed. Um, So I at least had that like little carrot on the stick, like, Oh, I'm going to see some narrative stuff. And with near, you have to like experience it rather than watching a cutscene. But I feel like once this whole anime is out, I'm going to get a great idea about what happens on the other on Yuito's story without having to play his campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, we'll we'll, we'll kind of see. Um, but there are a lot of games out right now. And boy, Nintendo is getting a lot of my money. Uh, Justin, I want you to expand on that. What else? Is that all you have to say about Scarlet Nexus? Yeah, I mean it's uh, I, I it's still a good game. Like just yeah. know what you what, what you're getting with it. Like uh, I, it's it's not a game that's going to hold your attention maybe for 40, 50 hours. And I feel like once you do get your platinum, you are probably not going to think much of that game again. Can I tell you? Well, I, here's the thing. Like I'm I'm really liking it. I really am liking it. It's just that like my worry is that I'm sort of shifting into autopilot when I'm doing this Kasane story because I'm just like I just got to get through this because uh, I, I know what happens. Um, but I also think I'm going to assume that there is a final chapter when you beat both stories like, because... Like Sonic Adventure without, 2 battle type? Precisely like a Sonic Adventure 2 battle. Uh, because without wishing to spoil anything, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger at all, but like it ends with like, huh, well that... How how does that going to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly with Kasane, but... Um, I, I will be interested to hear once you have finished it and, and all that sort of stuff. Good ending, though. Like, good story. Yeah, final, it is a great story. Final boss. The character stuff is good too. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's good. It's good. I'm just glad I can play it on my backbone, like before I go to bed. You know what I mean? That's yes, the kind of game I, it's become for me. It's like not like don't dominate the TV with it. Just if you got a second while you're watching something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But. So Nintendo, let's talk about it. What do you? Uh, what? What did you buy? What have you been? 
Well, I know you bought Mario Golf. Yeah, but. so I, I played more Mario Golf because I think I played a couple hours last week and I was like, I'm not okay with it just being like playing it for a few hours and then like going with it. Um, yeah. And the, I mean, the game is fun. Like it's it's a good golf mechanics, but there's a mode I want to just give a big middle finger to. And in adventure mode, um, they have uh, a couple of like the first wor- like course you're in is just like a regular golf course. Pretty, pretty standard. And you just do regular golf there. They do kind of make it more engaging by by using the speed golf, allowing you to run from hole to hole just to give you yeah. something to do between strokes, which makes it it breaks it up enough that it's actually kind of fun and it just makes the, the action flow. But then you get to the second golf course, the second world, and they're basically like, there's some construction on the course, so we can't open everything and we can't play golf normally. But there's this thing called XC Golf. Do you want to play it? And I was like, well, I guess I have to because I want to move the story forward. So it's called Cross Country Golf is essentially oh, what the mode is. I've heard of this. Go and on. And it's basically like, all right, you have six holes. Complete them in any order you want. And you have full range to the map. So, like, you can, like, literally choose any of the holes, and you get, like, 30 strokes to do six. The one that really stopped me up was 40 strokes to do nine holes. That was, like, the, the, the championship one. And it was the most frustrating thing I've ever done in my life, and it just wasn't fun. There were so many times where I would get to, like, f- like 39 strokes, and I would be right by the last hole, and I'd just miss, like, a difficult chip-in shot, and then I'd have to redo the whole thing again. It took, like, 20 minutes each time. But the problem with it is when you just have free roam of the map, it shows two issues with the game for me. The first is that the the gameplay design of like looking at terrain and evaluating like how high things were and like planning your course, the map isn't good enough for that. Like you can't like see far enough ahead of, of things to like know like, all right, the elevation for this hill is way up. So I have to make sure I approach it from this angle in order to get it like a hill and stuff. Because basically all these different holes are on different elevations. And the the course has like these tornadoes that you're supposed to hit your golf ball through in order to ch- like raise elevations. Mm-hmm. But when you don't see like you can't tell the difference of elevation just by looking at the map, you're kind of guessing which like tornadoes you have to put your ball yeah, up for okay. and it just becomes like a puzzle game that's not fun because you're just guessing and looking for the optimal route and i ended up just looking up the best way to go online like which whole course order to go but even knowing the whole order actually like lining up your shots to do some of these complicated things was just not fun and if you accidentally like go too far one way and miss a tornado you add like five strokes to your hole to like go back in a circle to get Ugh. back up to that tornado and it was just i i it, it wasn't fun and i appreciate that in the adventure mode they are changing up the gameplay so it's not just golf yeah. all the time but like if you're going to change it up, make it better. Like they mm-hmm. have a stamina bar. I wish if you could explore that world similarly to like a breath of the wild type of thing. And you had your mm-hmm. stamina bar and everything that you had to do. And you can climb this hill. If you want to put your ball down here to hit it here, like that would be maybe something fun, but the controls just aren't made to be like an open world golf game. And it's just frustrating more so than anything. So piss me off a little bit, but it's still fun. It's still a good little golf game. Um, the, the, I'm pretty sure the cross country golf is not an option for like multiplayer. Like it's only in the adventure mode. Mm. Okay. So it's not like you'll just be playing random online stuff, but I played an online match, man. And let me tell you something. If you don't score an Eagle on every putt, 
you might as well not play because the people are just too good and it's oh, not fun. It. Like I'm yeah. not ba- like I will finish like usually at par or birdie for every hole, but like these people are just like hitting these trick shots, tee shots, like all these like crazy things, and I'm just kind of like, no, nah, it's not that's not my vibe. I'm not going <laughs> to play that game this much to get that good at it. So yeah, <sighs> dang, yeah, but it's still fun. Uh, will I recommend it if you know what you're getting into and if you understand golf games and what they are and how they can be quite repetitive, do it. Yeah, I mean, um, golf, but. but if you get frustrated by golf and you don't like golf and you'd rather not spend your week playing golf, don't buy this game. Yeah, I was sort of already on that there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I figured this was not a Peter game, but um, I appreciate you taking one for the team and letting me know for for certain. <laughs> hey, it was it was a good vacation game, but sure. I did, uh, however, buy another new Nintendo game that came out this week. News might might not be the right word for it. Uh, rehydrated, how about? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did, in fact, buy Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Um, and uh, it's complicated, is what I got to mm. say. Mm. So the... I've, I, I, I tried a lot of things out in this game because I want to know what the best way to play it was. Uh, so I tried motion controls. I've tried the stick controls that they have. And from a very surface level, the controls are significantly improved from the Wii version. On all fronts or just one of them? On, on both fronts. And Got mostly okay. because you have the ability to control your camera at will now. Oh, okay. And I know that sounds like a simple, like a normal thing, but trust me, it was annoying when you had to keep Z targeting to get the camera behind you or whatever targeting they had um, in the original one. So this one, when you're doing motion controls, you have with, I believe it's the right uh, stick, full control of where the camera goes. On handheld mode, you have to hold down the R button and then move the right stick in order to do it, which is okay. a little annoying, but you get used to it after the after a while. But I do have to say, like, a couple things. Like, playing it through this time um, on the Switch, primarily in handheld mode, it's just a better way to play this game for some reason. It just seems like I can put it down without feeling guilty about, like, losing where I am and uh, go through it at a more, like, comfortable pace rather than it being like, all right, I'm just going to play it for four hours straight. Um, the story is – it. they do a pretty good job with telling the story. I, 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 I didn't necessarily see it the last time I played it because I think I was so, like, annoyed by the controls – yeah. Um, but it's very cinematic. Like the very first part of the game, there's a lot happening, a lot of interesting um, stuff, implications, uh, the how you get connected with the Master Sword in this game is kind of like, because this is the very first game in the timeline. So it's like the beginning of everything. So mm-hmm. kind of an important thing, I guess, to understand where all this stuff comes from. But, you know, does it really matter? Probably not. <laughs> I have a and, question for you. Yeah. If I may. So in terms of the motion controls. Yeah. You're right handed, right? Yeah. I'm left handed. And if I were to play a game where Link is right handed, like I like I don't think I'd be able to do it. Like, I don't think I was able to play Twilight Princess on the Wii because of that. Like, because it just it didn't work out. Is there a way to switch it up? Do you know? Uh, it does not feature a left-handed mode. Dang. Dang. Well, I, I mean, I'm just looking online, and this is... Um, okay, so the original one didn't, and it looks like the new one doesn't either. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, right, and well. like that, that that was a big thing too with Zelda. Like for the motion controls, they switched his hand for Link's yeah. hand for as what a thing. What the hell? Yeah. Finally, some left-handed representation in the media, and then they bring him back. Bring him back to the righties. Yeah, I think it, that's like one of those. Like, if we're talking about accessibility, something as simple as left and right-handed, it feels like if you're if you're a left-hander, you almost have to like train yourself to be a right-hander in video game world. <laughs> I'll say this in terms of like just generally the Wii. I never knew how to hold it because to <laughs> me, no, seriously, uh, like when I was a kid, because to me. Like I would point with the left, but then I have the thumbstick on the right, which was like not natural. But then like pointing with the right and using it just it never felt good. Um, so Nintendo has failed all of us once again in this battle for uh, handed equality. I'm would like I know it sounds like I'm making a joke. I'm actually not. There's like a lot that I can't do. <laughs> Uh, can't use scissors anyway go on well even like like my sister was was left-handed and like just the, the stuff you wouldn't even think about like i think that's the left-handed is like the perfect like accessibility debate thing because people don't think about that as being an issue but if you're left-handed no. and you realize how much stuff is not made for you because i guess what i don't even know the percentages of left versus right-handed but it's just like people just don't think about it and like yeah. it's something that's uh, sometimes it might be annoying. Other times it might prevent you from doing something or other times it might make you do something more ineffective and like they're, you know, care about this stuff, people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I probably was not going to play uh, Skyward Sword HD. It's just not really it seems that interesting to me. But um, it's like for a reason like this, it makes me kind of be like, yeah, well, like probably if I did play, it probably wouldn't feel very good to like hold and use anyway. But <laughs> well, like Peter, in, I, in the motion I have controls. some I have some some news for you. Doesn't matter Tell if me. you're left or right-handed, the game just doesn't feel good to control regardless. Uh, uh -oh. Um so I, I played it both modes. Uh I'm gonna probably stick with the um handheld mode because that's just what, what I will most likely play this game in because I'm a handheld yeah. switch player. Um but uh the the problem with the last game, as with this one is I feel like every time you have a motion control, specifically a combat encounter, you're working against the controls. Like, you're trying to fight the controls more than the enemies, and that's just not fun. And, like, it's always, like, a chore to fight someone, or it's a chore to use the motion controls and stuff, and when it's not, like, easy to do, you just don't want to do it. And there's not a ton of combat in this game. It's not like there's a million enemies. I feel like there's mm -hmm. less than than uh, most Zelda games. But it just you shouldn't like not want to fight people with your sword in a video game. And yeah. the the way the the stick controls work, it's very convoluted. Like it's it's how I said you have to hold the right button down to move the camera. It feels like you're doing that kind of stuff all the time. So you basically control your sword with the right stick. And you swing the sword in a direction. If you want to swing up, you have to flick the stick up. If you want to swing on a diagonal, you have to flick the stick in a diagonal. So it's not just like pointing it in a direction. It might be. It might have been better if you could just like point it, and then based on what direction you like swung, like it would just swing it. But it has yeah. to be in like a neutral neutral spot, and then you have to flick it up or flick it down. Mm. So. There's like these enemies, uh, like just the mobile. But what are the mob guys? The 
goblin bubble moblins yeah whatever they are um like they do this thing when they'll like switch their stances so like they'll have their sword like protecting their left protecting their right protecting their up protecting their down and you have like three other options to hit them that they're not guarding but like Mm -hmm. they move it so fast there's so many times like by the time you register what they're doing and then you put your control stick to the neutral and flick it up or down they've already changed it it just doesn't feel like one-to-one and it's not just the fact that you're using the joystick because it's the same exact thing when you're doing the motion controls you just like miss it like ever so slightly that it's just like a chore man (laughs) it's just not fun um so like the reason this game doesn't work and i think the reason people don't like it is not the dungeons is not the bosses is not the story is not the world is not any the design or anything other than the fact that the controls are just clunky as hell and they that hasn't really been fixed between the two versions so it's still the same base thing i think though this is an ideal way to play it because when you don't have to like get yourself set up in front of a TV and you don't have to get your, you know, motion controls out and you can just pick up your switch and and play it, pause it, do whatever in the middle of a dungeon. Um, It's just a little bit easier to do for me. So Mm -hmm. I I enjoy Zelda games. I enjoy traditional Zelda games that have like a dungeon, little puzzles to do like this. That's a very like kind of linear experience. Um, So I'm enjoying this game because of that, but I still feel like it's like in the back of my head, going against what logical controls are and that is the same as before so moral of the story is i well i don't know what the moral of the story is (laughs) like (laughs) i'm enjoying zelda the controls though are frustrating so i'll say this though like as much as me seeing this whole game like i've always was this on the wii u or was this on the the, the base it was on the wii yeah, so I didn't play this when it was on the Wii uh, because the motion control sounded like something that I just don't want to deal with. I don't want to play this now because the controls sound like something I don't want to deal with. However, what I can admire is taking a series as traditionally beloved as Legend of Zelda and saying, no, we are going to try something new. I do think that that's kind of cool. Um, kind of sucks it doesn't work out. Kind of sucks that it might alienate some players, some left-handed people, perhaps. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, what can you do? <laughs> like... Yeah, it's just not for me. It's not a game I'm going to play. I just, how it would be such a home run for Nintendo. Any other of these 3D Zelda games, just put it on the Switch. Like, I, agree. I don't know why you don't do this. Like, as I'm playing this, I'm like, any other Zelda game, I would not have the same complaints. I would not be complaining that, like, like I am about this, this stuff. Like, just release any of those other ones. I would love to play Majora's Mask. I would love to play Wind Waker. I would love to do all this stuff. And yeah. I... For, I don't care. Release them full price, whatever. I'll probably buy them because I'm a broken human being. I, I I understand, and I think that this game has maybe we've talked about this before. Potentially, I think it has killed the idea that anyone has thought that we were going to get like a Zelda 3D HD, yeah, remaster collection, whatever, in the same way that they did the Mario one. Because if they're selling this game for sixty dollars, then they're not going to package Wind Waker and. Twilight Princess or Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and sell that for $60 just because I think that they know that, you know, people are clearly buying this one for $60. It's from 2011 or 12. So, like, mm, just not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a. Yeah. Again, but, I'm part of the problem. And speaking of my problem, um, I got this in the mail. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the Amiibo. The Amiibo. It's a good looking Amiibo. It's pretty cool. I like it. A little thick. Um, 
So I did get the Amiibo, and I initially got it just because I thought it'd make the game a little bit easier, and like anything yeah. to make this game easier, I would be for. Uh, but the I, I really don't understand people's complaints, so to speak, with the fast travel system. Like it's useful. Like I can use this to fast travel back to the sky whenever I want. Mm-hmm. So we can go back because the way the game works, you have your hub worlds up up in the sky, and then your dungeons are like below. And normally, yeah. you have to go to like a save statue, and at those save statues, you can save, save and quit, return to the sky, or like leave or something like that. So whenever you see one of those save statues, you can return to the sky. In the dungeons, the dungeons have those save statues, but instead of returning to the sky, you have a return to outside. Okay, that's a... Uh... It was the Majora's Mask, I think. Yeah, like something similar to that. So you can return outside and then return to the sky. And then like it's just another couple steps. And I guess maybe if you're in the middle of a dungeon and your shield breaks or you need a heart thing, it might be useful to like go from that point in the dungeon, fly back to the sky, get that potion and then come back. But like I just don't know how practical it is and it doesn't really make the game that much easier. Um, It's it works. <laughs> like it's a cool well, amiibo, but like I don't think it's like it's it's the game changer of making the game uh easier to play than than just what they already did. Like I think some of the changes they made are good enough changes. Like a lot of the changes they made, they cut down the dialogue of Fee Fay, which is your your Navi character in this one. Um, who apparently okay. overexplained everything in the in the previous game? It would be like you saw a cutscene, and then someone would be like, "You have to go here," and then she would talk to you and be like, "Okay, so as you heard from that guy, they want you to go here," and she like <laughs> just repeat everything. Okay. So they like cut that stuff down significantly. Um, and a couple of the other stuff that they did just to make it easier, they they um they have a lot of the training stuff at the beginning optional. So do you need a tutorial on this? Yes or no. So if you need the tutorial, you can, which I think every game should do that, right? It's not a hard thing. So you can get through the beginning part a lot quicker. Um, And the game does look nice, nicer than the other version. And it's just impressive and cool that you can play this stuff on your little handheld switch. So ultimately, if you like Zelda games and you're patient you, sh- you should play this game because I think it's still a good Zelda game at its core. Mm-hmm. It's just the arbitrary nature of these controls and how the gameplay is reliant on motion controls that yeah. uh, makes it in your face almost every time you see someone or make a move or turn left or right. Yeah, that sounds... Uh, Justin, I'm going to be honest, that does not sound very fun to me, but I'm glad that people are getting hoot <laughs> out of this game. Because uh, anytime I think you get a game, an older game ported to a system like this, I think is a, a win. Uh, so I beat It Takes Two Ooh. after four months of playing it. Elaine <laughs> and I beat It Takes Two. It took us 15 hours. It's a long game. <laughs> it's a long game. Uh, have you beat it? Did you, Have you played it okay, at all? We we just escorted like the, the two doll figures through the castle. I think we're like probably escorted the dolls through the castle yeah they're like on these tracks and you're trying to fix their relationship as you're going through oh yeah you've got a while yeah um yeah not a while not like enough not like that long but like yes um it's interesting as we maybe said in earlier episodes it is an excellent game However, it might be my like my favorite game I've played that has the worst story I've ever like <laughs> encountered. It is like 
bafflingly bad how bad the story is of this game to the point where like i can't believe that i walked away being like that was a great game with how freaking bad this story oh, is really and, and i mean it's not like there were a lot of people when this came out being like this is a super harmful game and like i, I in the way that it portrays like divorce and stuff like that and and as someone who does not come from like a divorced household, I think it's hard for me to say whether that's true or not. To me, it doesn't seem harmful. It just seems like every depiction of divorce in, in a lot of like media where it's just not a, not a realistic depiction. For example, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this, like uh, the fucking book will be like, <laughs> I love that book. I freaking uh, like, love that book. What, like why why didn't you do this and then the guy or the girl will be like it's because she didn't clean up the kitchen and it's like well because you and it's like that's not how that works you know it, it is it's a more complicated thing and, and they start to they at the very end they start to dip into it a little bit by like uh after you've got a few more areas to go yet but you end up going into the garden because uh cody the guy used to love gardening and may the the woman's like well why did you stop doing this and he was like because you kind of thought it was dumb so i sort of stopped and it's like oh hey that's a real thing <laughs> like you know people people stop doing things that they're passionate about if their significant other doesn't support them in it or thinks that it's dumb or, or whatever that's like a real thing but they never explore that really at all other than just like a single conversation about it so uh again an incredible game with the worst story I've maybe ever experienced. It's just, it's just, it's very shallow. And Elena and I spent the whole time at the end, as soon as the credits were rolling, being like, what if they did it like this? Or what if like all this stuff happened? Like what if the book is giving them all this advice and the whole time, like it's like just a cheesy, horrible, like relationship advice. And the whole time they're like, that's not how it works. Like what you don't understand is you can't fix things by just being in love. As the book says, like, like that's not how it works. This, our relationship didn't end because we don't love each other. Our relationship ended because we don't have compatible lifestyles and because we weren't willing to make things work. It's not because we were, like, falling out of love. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, great game. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just from, like, what, I, like, what I've been playing, it seems like, and I didn't get to the end of the resolution, it seems like one of the things, like, obviously, like, the book is, like, saying about the love and the mysteries of that kind of stuff. I think, it, obviously, one of the things you need to have a successful relationship is communication, right? Like, yeah. And I think that's what, they, that, what the point is that they're trying to hit on throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing, and that has to do with a lot of the gameplay. Like, you do have to time with each other, communicate with each other, do that kind of stuff with each other. Um, so I, I do think like the actual story itself about like everything, it isn't complex. It's just very basic, like top level. Like we don't like yeah. each other anymore because we're, we love this, these kind of things, right? Like it yeah. doesn't like actually like look at something to be like relationships are complicated. Sometimes things just don't work out or sometimes things don't work out because we haven't talked about it or communicated about it. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think to me, I am not continuing to play because of the story. In fact, sometimes it's nope. just like the story is just kind of like, you know, <laughs> we, um, we usually like talk through it because we're like, this is not that interesting. Mm. And yeah. it could have been, but I, I do. I want to do say, I think some of the boss fights are pretty frustrating. 
They can't. Yeah, they can be. Uh, I will say I was very I was very proud of Elena. There was not a single time I didn't I did not ever. She did not ever get to the point where she was like, I need you to do this for me in terms of like uh, taking care of, you know, doing like the jumps and, and whatever else, because there, there are some frustrating like platforming bits and stuff. Um, but yeah, she was able to do it all, which I think is a testament to how because uh, it's not an easy game necessarily, as you were saying, but like the boss fights are kind of frustrating at times. But like it is a game that I think very pick upable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For, for people. But um, good game. We will talk about that at the end of the year for sure. In my opinion. Uh, better than the medium. Yeah. Oh, better, yeah. better than Scarlet Nexus. Uh, mm, hmm. Hmm. Look at that. Look at that. Um, Thought-provoking. I would say... Uh, I would probably say yes. Because I have... like One of the reasons why I think this game is so great and, and why I think I'm willing to forgive its uninteresting story and, and stuff like that. Because, I mean, you know me. Like as we've talked a lot about on the show, you and I are big proponents for like games with good stories and good narratives and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know about you. I'm the kind of person who, if a game's narrative doesn't like grip me, even if the gameplay is like pretty good, I'm not necessarily 100% going to see it to the end. Whereas this game, um, I think it just, I've not had this much fun with a co-op game with someone in since portal two, maybe. So, um, better than Scarlet Nexus. I would probably say yes. Although, so that's not because Scarlet Nexus is lacking Bad. anything. Yeah, it's yeah. because uh, it takes you just that it takes you just unique. I think, and I think what makes yes. it like such an interesting thing is that the part of the story is not what's happening in the game. Part of the story it's you and your, whoever you're playing with. Like yeah. it's your journey through the through the story together, um, and just going through it with someone else. I think is fun, and I love couch co op. Like I think a good yeah. strong couch co op game like this is great. Um, I was going to ask you something, but I forgot about it. So let's move on. <laughs> You know what, Justin? Let's let's talk about some big news this week. Uh, the Stream Deck, the Valve, the the Valve version of the Game Boy, as my mom would probably call it. Um, Valve made a switch. <laughs> they made a switch. That's just a little PC. I'm gonna be honest. It, it looks more like a Wii U gamepad. Like I can't like not look at that and think about the Wii U yes. gamepad. I agree. It's because it's like it's like thick. You know, like the thick. switch is like really yeah, thin so that's a and word. it's very portable. Uh, this I don't know. I, I've not really looked up any like coverage of this like, of like this in people's hands. This thing looks like it's forty pounds, <laughs> like <laughs> in the same way that like the Wii U gamepad looks like it was forty pounds. Whereas the Switch is very sleek and thin and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so if if you're not familiar, Valve, the company behind uh, Steam, they they make Steam, which is the you know marketplace for PC games, uh, and they used to make video games, believe it or not, that are some of the best ever made with uh, your portals and your half-lifes and your team fortresses and uh, Dota, uh, a Counter-Strike. You're saying um, words, and I agree with you. Uh, they're, they're good games. They make solid, solid titles. But um, they're they're making a switch for PC games with, like, 100 asterisks after that. Um, <laughs> so they announced it, and pre-orders went up that same day, right? I think so. And they also, by the way, they announced the same day that the Switch OLED, uh, OLED pre-orders went up. Talk about yeah. baller move. Okay, uh, a few things. First of all, for I don't know what it is. I think it's just my tiny little monkey brain. But like, when those Switch OLEDs were up for pre-order, I was kind of like, should I just snag one? Should I just do it? I didn't. 
proud of myself. But you thought I didn't of do it. it. <laughs> but, but I definitely I definitely went from being like, I don't need this to being like, but do I? Did you happen to buy one? No. <laughs> yeah, My broken soul had to say no. As I thought about the $120 I put in the last two weeks towards Nintendo, I think they'd get enough of my yeah. money just by yeah. me buying their full price games that are like, what, nine years old, 10 years old? Yeah, yeah, the, uh, 10. Yeah. Almost 10. Almost 10. Irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. But so this, this stream deck, pre orders went like, went up i believe the day that it was announced right and there have been there have been like rumors and it's it's been clear that valve has been working on like a console or something like that there was like a something called the steam machine which was like a console that was just gonna is a pc that you could just hook up hook up to your tv which is what all video game consoles are but uh, it, it (laughs) it would like connect with your steam library and all that sort of stuff uh but to me this like didn't even give people like the chance to think about it it was just like, here's what it is. Pre-orders are going up in like four hours. I, I think I, the, the, one of the issues with this, as with anything, are the are the microchip shortages, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know if because this is more of a hardware PC thing rather than it being a like exclusive game thing with only exclusive games on it. It's not like they need to. to push the marketing like that like they they don't necessarily need to like create all this hype for it um for that kind of stuff and basically they will get in people's hands as soon as they can and then probably trickle them out from i believe they're supposed to be released starting the end of december um is Mm -hmm. when the first ones will will go out there but who knows how much that will even how many there will even be for that but yeah it was kind of just like here's this new thing well it's interesting (laughs) too because i saw so like i I have no interest in this. I have a Switch, which plays games on the go that I want to play, and I just bought a PC, so there's no reason for me to have this in my current life. But something that, like, way turned me off was, um, so, uh, first of all, a few things. The first thing is that the Steam Deck, oh, it's called the Steam Deck, not the Stream Deck. If I said stream before, I do apologize. Um, So there are three different models, and so for the lowest priced one is 400 bucks and it's got 64 gigs of internal storage and then there's one for 529 for 256 gigs of an ssd and then 649 for 512 ssd uh storage that is like 64 that's not it's not a lot and especially with how big games are now and it scales more so than it just being a lesser amount of storage the actual type of like the speed of it it's not as fast as the other ones too so not only is it going to hold less there's going to be a performance and a loading uh downgrade with it so while it is comparable to the old led switch it is really not when we're thinking about like the uses of it and what you can do with it you could not play uh microsoft flight simulator on this thing (laughs) nope no, no, no. Uh, and, that, you know, that's 400 bucks. So you got to spend at least $550-ish to, like, be able to use this. It, it, it use this in the way that I think people want to use this, and that is to play those PC games that are not on Switch and not on, you know, whatever else on the go. Uh, and then additionally, this, like, turned me off in such a major way, is that someone who I know got a minute to get a pre-order for it, and they're like, cool, this will be here quarter three 2022 i'm like whoa oh. and i appreciate that they are able to say like due to the chip shortages this is when we're going to have these available but like to me pre-ordering something for over a over a year in the in advance like just does not sound appealing to me 
especially because I have to imagine that they're going to there's going to be another version of this or addition to this at some point in the future. Yeah, I'm interested to actually see like uh, like uh, how like if there was a queue for pre-orders, how high up on the queue that was. Like if they're saying they're releasing some this year, do they mean like two? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how many Xbox Series Xs and PS5s there were this year. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And and Justin, you got one of them. So like <laughs> you too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but um I think it's a cool machine. I just personally, as someone who has a PC and someone who has a Switch, don't see a lot of value in this for my life. Yeah, I think, I mean, really making PC gaming accessible and easier and not be something you have to buy like this really expensive rig for, if it does work as promised, like that's pretty cool. But like, I have all these questions about the joke is with PC gaming is like scaling stuff all the time, right? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. are, do, is your do, can your graphics card run things at 4K with ray tracing and all this other stuff? Like, can you do that with what you have? And certain games run better than others. Going back to uh, our favorite game, The Medium, when I was trying to install that on my computer, like getting that optimized on my computer was difficult. And yeah. I, I thought my computer was pretty good at the time. Not, It's not like a $5,000 rig here, but like it should have been able to run the medium pretty well. But it didn't, right? Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen with those games on this thing when it's not as powerful as your best PC, you have to scale things down. How easy is that going to be? And how quick is this thing going to become obsolete? You're you're the person that you know that pre-ordered it quarter three next year. Who knows what's going to happen between then? Who knows how right. better PCs are going to get? Who knows how better games are going to get when we're trying to make things cross, you know, your Xboxes and your PC? Like, will it be able to really run everything? And for how long will it be able to run those things? Um, I think I think those are, are questions that make me scared of this because this is just basically a handheld PC. It's like a laptop, except you don't close it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to your point, like, I don't know, to me, this is a machine, particularly with these with the smaller like. Uh, w- with the smaller internal storage space, uh, y- you got to play indie games because you can't play AAA games on here because if you like. They're not going to fit. I mean, Call of Duty Cold War, whatever it was, was like 150 gigs. Yeah, you can't play Warzone. Like, <laughs> no, you literally, it literally will not fit on this $400 machine. Which, I mean, you know, if if that's what you want, because you just want to play the smaller games, do that. But at the end of the day, a lot of those are on the Switch at, at at the same time. And I get, you know, the Switch's hardware is not particularly stellar, but. Uh, there's quite a bit on the Switch that you may grow to love. Well, and they like they already have a Steam like remote play like cloud yep. type of option that you can play. I haven't tried it ever, but like there are those options out there. I could probably do this on my backbone, right? Like, is this yeah. going to be something that makes video game playing like better? And is it going to raise the bar? I don't know if it is or not. I think it's cool that they're trying something. I'm interested to mess around with the joystick. Uh, the the like touchpad joysticks to see if that is something that works pretty well. <laughs> I think that might be something that could be cool. Yeah. Um, but I also did some research, and the OLED switch is yeah. uh, with Joy Cons, uh, 0.93 pounds, and the Steam Deck is 1.47 pounds. So 0.9. Th- so about okay, half so a, it's, it's half a yeah, pound. Half a pound. Okay. 
And I could not conceptualize so how much a half a pound is, but I'm sure it's it's almost it's a pound, but granular. not quite nothing. Yeah. Um, I do like in a lot of the ads, you've got people playing Stardew Valley on this thing. And I'm, like, again, I if can, you don't have a Switch, if you don't have a Switch, that's fine. It, <laughs> like, most phones get this can thing, play but, Stardew Valley, by the way. Right. Um, and then also they said you can hook up fight sticks to this thing and have a little... Uh, fighting tournament and it's like the ads for it it's just it's very it's not silly silly is the wrong word because like i do think this is a cool machine um but you have these giant fight sticks and this tiny little screen i know it's like it's like like, the least it's like if you have a switch and you go over to someone's house to play smash but you don't hook it up to the tv so you like open up the little kickstand you give everyone a joy con and you're all like huddled around the little thing like that's not fun no that's fun on a plane that's not how you like start your smash tournament um with yeah this is cool uh but this for me personally does not do really anything yeah yeah i it's good good for you steam keep keep on keeping on you know um i'll say this valve if perhaps you wanted to work on another video game, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not trying to be ungrateful, but I will say that uh, me and some other guys, uh, some other people, excuse me, really like your games. And if you could make a new one in any any series, uh, that would be cool. I, I just asked Steam Stops making me buy a bunch of like games on their Steam sales that I'm never going to play. I uh I bought Persona Four Golden sitting on my uh desktop right staring here. Staring at you every day. Staring yep, at you every day. Oh, by the way, spe- seeing we're here, uh, quick, yeah. quick, quick little recommend here because your computer can play it. You should play Jazz Punk if you haven't played that game already. Jazz Punk. I've heard of this game, but I will look into it. And yeah, now's your opportunity. I uh I can play all sorts of video games now. Um. Yeah. It's- it's yeah, cool I give stuff. you Jazz Punk, the most graphically demanding game of like 28. Oh, tw- 28. Like 2000, and I don't know when it came out, but it's it's really it's like we're talking like blocks and pixels and stuff. I'm sure. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. All right, well I'll uh, potentially potentially buy the take Steam Deck look and play it there. At that, yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, I'll just buy that and get it in quarter four of 2085. So let's talk about the best-selling games of June. Uh, video game? Have you heard about this? A lot of people are playing video games now. What? Yeah, that is a popular uh, pastime, particularly over the last year where many people uh, are still staying inside, which, hey, guys, still a pandemic going on. If you're, if you're leaving the house, bring a mask, even if you're vaccinated. If you're going to a big crowd, maybe maybe uh, maybe put that bad boy on, but I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you how I'm also living my life. So anyway, um, people are staying inside. People are... are uh, buying a lot of video games, and between June 2021 and June 2020, uh, there has been a five percent increase in video game sales and spending. Which that is that's a lot of money. You're shaking your head. Did I get that wrong? Well, no, no, no. I'm shaking my head because oh. that's even more shocking to me. Now, granted, we we have new consoles involved here, so that probably makes things a little higher, right? Like yeah. just by, by by that. But like we're talking about like over a pandemic, like it's when it was starting. And granted, yes. this is all like a pandemic year, but like for it to increase 5% from June to June. And I thought like for me last year in June, I was like, all right, pandemic's hitting. Got to start getting some video games and playing that stuff again. Like 
the fact that it still is rising and is just still as healthy as ever, I think is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. I mean, um, I'm just looking at some charts here. This is from Matt Piscatella. Um, I have, he is the executive director and video game industry advisor, um, for NPD, right? The NPD group. Yeah. Um, so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, and then, and his Twitter bio, it also says Tom Nook is good, which, uh, I would have to agree with Tom Nook. It's a lot of flack, but he sold you a house for 0% interest. Like that guy's a good guy. Anyway, unimportant. <laughs> if you bought a house, would you be mad at the person who sold you the house? He's always got something else, though. Like, it's always an industry with him, though. Yeah, I guess so, but... And what are no bells? Interest. Like, what are they? Are like, are they... Is that, like, a currency thing? Because, like, you, you, you give fish, you get bells, right? But, like... You, you sell them. You sell them, currency. right? Yeah, yeah, but then what do they do with the bells? Sushi. Well, what do they do with the bells? Yeah, what uh, do they do with them? What do you do with bells? What do you do with money? You put it in the bank, I guess? You spend things. more stuff on it. So what are they buying with your money? The island, my friend. I don't, they're not, they already have an island. They already, I guess that's they already true. found that land. Tom I guess is out true. there. He is trying to develop stuff. Wait a second. Look this up. Tom Nook works for Blue Box Games. Tom Nook is Hideo Kojima. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, so I, I want to talk about the best-selling games on uh, each each platform here. Justin. I, I know you perhaps might have this up. I ask that you don't look at it um, because I'm going to ask you, and I know you probably looked at these yeah. <laughs> because uh, you sent this to me, but uh, who knows how great your short-term memory is. Not what great. do you think is... I, I, Justin, I've known you for a long time. I knew that. <laughs> uh, what do you think the top-selling game for uh, the Switch is? Uh, I mean... Uh, that would it would have to for June Mario Golf. I mean that that's the new thing yep. that came out, right? I can't think of another uh, Switch release. Yep. And then the rest of the games on this top ten of uh, June twenty twenty one are just all the other games that are constantly bestsellers for the Switch. So I mean it's just you know Breath of the Wild, Mario three D World, Smash, Animal Crossing, Mario Kart, uh, Mario Party, Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, Minecraft, and then. Um, uh, Pokemon Snap. That's a good game too. Yeah, didn't I? Uh, I missed that one, but we'll we'll see if I get that one <laughs> by the end of the year. But uh, yeah, okay, that that is uh, pretty solid. So then, on the PlayStation, what would you what would you say? Uh, that would be. Uh, I mean, the games that came out would be Rift Apart. Would be the only PlayStation game that came out. Yeah. So Rift Apart is number one, and then number six is Scarlet Nexus, the only other new game. Uh, although, so it also shows you where uh, these games ranked last month. So Resident Evil Village was uh, in the top spot last month, but now it's in the fifth slot. Um, but it's pretty par for the course in terms of like most games were in the top 10 in that uh, in, the, in the previous month, except for Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was in the 81st slot last month. And this month has jumped to uh, number 10. Do you think that is that? Did that Yuffie DLC come out this month? Yeah, it was. It, I, I don't know how they work this with like the PS5 integrated stuff. Um, yeah. I'm sure that that comes into some of it, but um, this doesn't involve 
digital sales, if I'm correct, right? Which is kind of shocking if you're thinking about that because there's not people are just upgrading this. They're, they're physically buying the game. So maybe it's like one of those things where people are trying to out-consumer the consumer by, by buying the PS4 version and then like upgrading it that way. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's impressive to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, how about Xbox, the last one? The, uh, <laughs> this, is a little less, this is a little less obvious, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's, it's Black Ops Cold War. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, and then Modern Warfare, then Resident Evil Village, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and then Scarlet Nexus is number six as well on uh, the Xbox, which um, that's good. I have to I imagine think- that this that MPD charts are probably not useful for Xbox, because of game pass because of game pass right like how many people are going out and i I assume a lot of people are playing games on game pass and if you're not instead of buying yourself in a mirror and say why what am i doing yeah what am i doing um yeah it's a good it's a good service but yeah i i think these numbers are interesting they're pretty much they pretty much are pretty cut and dry but at the same time i also think I think to me, looking at the Xbox One is is interesting because it's just like okay, yeah, people play this, use this for Call of Duty, and then Game Pass, um, and then some people use it for Scarlet Nexus. <laughs> I think um, just looking at this, they have the the top video games on all platforms, not counting digital, by the way. And oh, did they? Did I totally miss that? Yeah, wh- one of the 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 thing that stuck out to me as being interesting was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart was the top selling game of June, which is. A PS5 exclusive game. Yeah. So I mean that I think that's a pretty significant thing. I mean, it shows you like the the hunger that people have to get first party Sony games on their oh, yeah. PS5s in general. Shows you that there are enough PS5s out there to outperform Call of Duty uh Black Ops Cold War, which is on every system. Um, and I think it does I mean it does speak to the fact that that's a pretty damn good game. Uh, but looking at the top ten list, or I guess it's top twenty video games, because you know, they gotta do that. Nintendo's just straight up killing it constantly here. <laughs> like, um, oh yeah, New Horizons is eleven. Uh, then you have um, Mario Kart eight. Mario Kart eight as seven. <laughs> you have Mario Kart Super never, Rush as three. Like that. That's pretty impressive. They are never, ever going to make another Mario Kart. Why would they ever need to spend the money to do that? It's it is going to be the best selling Nintendo game of all time forever. That's pretty awesome, man. Like yeah. <laughs> it's a good game. I, I wish I, I dive deep into that uh game as much as I did like Mario Kart sixty four, Double Dash, because like those yeah. games I <laughs> put some put some minutes into. I uh, I did a lot of Double Dash when I was a kid. Double Dash, good game. Yeah. That's a good game for uh having siblings. Oh, one person did you, you and the cart. You and your friend in the same cart? Yeah, so my younger sister would control the... I would drive, and my sister would uh, use the items. Nice. Those were good memories. Yeah. Those were those were good times. Uh, and, and she would also... You could do, like, the side swipe. I don't know if you can do that in the newer, any of the games, but, like, you could do this, like, attack to, to the left or right where you could steal an item from someone who has one. Um, and so we would, we would do that. And that's, Just backhand that's your opponents. Yeah, basically. And then you take your nice. banana and you're like, fuck you. Here's a banana. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Netflix real quick here. So Netflix wants to have video games connected to its streaming services. And before we talk about like the second half of that, which is about Sony, 
just initially, what how, what what sort of feelings do you have about Netflix getting into games? Cool. I, I mean, like they've already had certain things uh, that are not quite games, but like game interactable thing. Like they had there's a Black Mirror episode, right? That was kind of like a Bro. choose your own adventure. So there, it was uh, Bandersnatch, and Would it was you call a, me. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can't say that in England, apparently. Uh, so it was you had Bandersnatch, which was the name of the the Black Mirror episode. And this thing won awards for being a movie. And I'm like literally sitting here like, y'all, it's not a movie. <laughs> By the nature of you have to control it with a controller or remote. It's not a movie. So um, you, you experienced that. How was that like? So it is kind of gamey. It is. It's a telltale, not a telltale game. It's a it's until dawn. I mean, with without the sections where you walk around and pick stuff up. It is, you literally just make the choices of, like, all this stuff. And it's about a dude developing a game like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, I I think it's worth your time uh, to, to try. Uh, it's kind of spooky. I mean, as all Black Mirror sort of is, it's kind of spooky. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun sort of afternoon, evening sort of affair. But it, it just, it made me laugh that, I mean, it's just, it's straight up just a... Um, yeah, <laughs> It's straight up, it's a video game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. a video game. But, um, yeah, I, it, it, I agree. I think it makes sense that Netflix would want to potentially get into it. But my, my worry is you have these big companies that want to get into video games, right? Amazon and Google. And, like, I think Google is maybe the most successful out of between Amazon and Google, which is, I guess, saying something because, even, like, Stadia is not. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about Stadia, but it's not, like, very popular or successful. Right. Um, or even the games that they made were not successful, um, really at all. I mean, Amazon was even worse. They had some major issues with the games that they were trying to develop. So, uh, just a quick that, breakout here: which yeah. company do you think is worth more, Google or Amazon? Amazon. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's pretty crazy. It's insane. Uh, uh, well, I mean, like. Yeah, I don't know how these websites make money. I mean, like, I do, but, like, I don't. I was going to try and say, like, well, you buy stuff off of Amazon, as if that means anything. <laughs> <laughs> as if you also don't buy stuff off of Google. Uh, but uh, my worry is if Netflix is trying to get into it is if they're doing it, like, alone, if they're like, we are going to make video games now, because I think that's not the move. But I think the move would be to partner with a company, like, uh, to me... The obvious choice would be to partner with someone like Microsoft, who already has something like Game Pass, which has just been described as like Netflix, but for games. But from what it seems like, uh, Sony might be involved. Can you explain this? Because you you were sort of walking me through it, and I have the gist, but I, it seemed as if you were more familiar with what happened specifically with this. All right, so data miners, like they do, ruin lives, and they went into uh, the, the data mining, and they found a tweet about Netflix uh, talking about like their, their their initiative and on it were like four images, two of them being Sony related. One of them was a Ghost of Tsushima image. The other one was like dual sense controller images. So mm -hmm. there is some connection between Netflix and Sony based on those. Now, uh, a report by Bloomberg said that they talked to Netflix about it, and Netflix was like, oh, those are just filler images, and, like, 
there is some credibility to that because they were talking about how one of the the dual sense image was legitimately like from like a stock image website. Okay. But if you're using filler images, why would you use so filler images of Sony? That doesn't make sense to me unless there's something there. And like what uh I I don't want to go another week of conspiracy theories, right? But yeah. The uh, Netflix and Sony themselves, not Sony Games, but Sony, like the you mm-hmm. know, entertainment group, has uh, recently this year signed a huge multi-billion dollar deal uh, for uh, like exclusive rights to their properties and their movies and things like that, that they will stream them there and then eventually like, become the other platforms, but it's like Netflix first. And I know that's like from mostly talking about movies and other things like that, but there is a relationship between these two companies already and i have like i i think sony makes sense to a to a degree because they dabble both in streaming and in like downloading the service like with ps now like that's a very kind of similar not similar thing but like you could potentially through netflix download the games or from uh stream them so i don't really know what netflix's goal is here are they going to go into the streaming world or are they going to go into the more like download and get it on your tv whatever kind of uh mode i I don't know um it it seems like netflix wants to do something this year with games Hmm. Uh, i've seen anything from the end of this year to middle of 2022 uh they hired a couple of people um, one of them was uh, they they hired a couple big games people or people who worked in gaming and in technology stuff like this before at Netflix to help them. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's interesting to see if this Sony thing is just a a filler image or if it is something more. Um, it's interesting to see, and I think it could be pretty interesting if they made a Ghost of Tsushima television show. Uh, I mean, they they found a lot of success with. Um, they're, they're doing a movie on Netflix. There's, it's not. I don't know if it's on Netflix, but uh, John Wick director is doing Ghost of Tsushima movie. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm assuming that's Sony Pictures. I have to assume, but if they are partnering with Netflix, you have to imagine that that might also be a Netflix release hmm. of some sort. Hmm. I mean, look at that. So yeah. again, there is there is something there, but. I I guess the thing that worries me is that the more of these services that are out there, it, would this bring anything more? Like if it was just a Netflix gaming thing. Now, if it was paired with Sony, that's a kind of different thing. You get a, a Netflix yeah. account and a Sony thing on every PS5. That's pretty cool. Like yeah. that could get people in there and that could get people to use their stuff. G- good for Netflix, uh, but I <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to see a Netflix produced game coming out that i need to get day one anytime soon well i mean it's the same thing with like the amazon one and like the google one they hired these big name people from the games industry and then just like put them in games purgatory for like three years and then like all right guys game's coming out and it's just like the it's just a nothing unmemorable game but because these companies see video game like the amount of money they're in games like they see like oh my gosh destiny pulls in this much fortnite and apex and uh, Warzone war pulling this much, and it's like, yeah, but you don't understand that. Like the reason that these pull, you you don't just make the money because you are a live service game, right? Right. You right. make you make the money because you are you are either like an established IP or you catch some sort of viral uh, fame. Like with Fortnite wasn't like an established thing, but it I don't remember what made it so popular, but there there was like 
streamers who are all doing it at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just the kind of thing where it's like, guys, we made a live service game. It's like, okay, is it good? It's like, but you can do microtransactions. And it's like, right, but like, what's the game about? It's like, and there's cosmetics and a battle pass. <laughs> and it's like, right, but like, what's, hey, what's the game? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I would agree with you that if they are partnering with Sony for this, that is potentially a lot more exciting than if they are simply doing it by themselves. I will say this, though. Okay. And not so here, here's an interesting change in our programming. Justin, you've turned into the tinfoil hat um, uh, conspiracy theory guy. Uh, your hat right now says dog dad, which is very cute. Um, I have turned into just like this grumpy old man, <laughs> apparently, um, who is just poo-pooing on all the fun. So this is a, a an excerpt from the Bloomberg story uh, by, uh, I believe this is Jason Schreier. Let me see. No. So this is uh, the Bloomberg story by Lucas Shaw, uh, and it is titled Netflix plans to offer video games in push beyond films TV. So this says this. The idea is to offer video games on Netflix's streaming platform within the next year, according to a person very familiar with the situation. The games will appear alongside current fare as new programming genre. Uh, as a new programming genre, similar to what Netflix did with documentaries or stand-up specials, the company doesn't currently plan to charge extra for the content, said the person who asked not to be identified because of the deliberations, because the de- deliberations are private. Now, listen, I get it. I went to school for journalism, and uh, sometimes you have to have anonymous sources. Like, that's a thing. But I feel like a lot of the information coming out right now about things that aren't announced, so like these like leaks or these insider looks at things like are coming from people without sources and there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, you look at the information about like the switch pro, it was like gar- like guaranteed to be coming out this year. And then just it, what it, it, the information was either incorrect, inaccurate or came too soon because then the, the plan shifted. Right. So I'm always kind of skeptical about anytime it's like unnamed person said this now, do I think Bloomberg is just making something up? I don't, but because um, I, I think you know, checking this the where the report is coming from, I believe is also just as important as who's saying it. But um, I don't know exactly where this might go and how accurate all of this would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think. I, I mean, one of the things that uh, a lot of this news too is kind of based off of the fact that Netflix is is has been struggling like yeah. with getting new subscribers. Um I mean like the interest seems to be in in uh, Disney Plus seems to be the thing that is just, you know, making money hand over fist right now with with new subscribers and everything. People want to go there. HBO Max is something that is also pretty impressive and people are are, are going there cuz these are the new and the hot things. So Netflix yeah. needs something new and hot to do and um, a, a lot of people are are seeing that Netflix has hired these new people. They are talking about a focus on game, and now they just want more news stories. And I, it, it's just so weird with video games because video games are like newer type of media when when put next to um, movies and TV shows, right? Like when we're oh, putting yeah. like that, like it's a it's a newer thing, and I I just don't know like. A lot of these these companies, Netflix obviously is not just a little company; it's a pretty big company. But like, right? I, I just feel like when when 
the game's media is looking into this kind of stuff. They're turning over every stone possible, trying to find um, any little bit of, of news to like put on there. And even seeing like this Bloomberg story being like repeated by all these other websites with that loose sourcage stuff, not loose sourcage, but like an, like an anonymous source that, you know, people are just quoting Bloomberg and making more stories off of it. It, it just creates this like hype train for these, for these things and, and creating these like phantom uh, narratives that people just get disappointed with. And I feel like right. games people more so than movies and TV show people get super bummed yeah. about this stuff way more so than other people. At least they're yeah. more vocal about it than that, because I'm sure like, you know, people who are watching a sitcom that gets canceled probably aren't too happy with that, but um, they're not as loud or stream about it as video games people. But there is a lot of in video games media that the issue with people just creating news to get clicks it yes. seems and i want to i want to pre- like reiterate i don't think that bloomberg made this up oh absolutely like, not yeah yeah 100 not but what i am saying is to your point like the this might not be exactly as it is because we don't know who this person is we uh, we i'm sure they're a legit source if bloomberg is going to report on it but because there's a little bit of ambiguity between who they are and like what they're about, it might mean that this information might not be entirely accurate. Bloomberg reported Switch Pro specs, right? That might still be in the pipeline somewhere down the road. It didn't come out that way in 2021. Again, not saying Bloomberg made that up or whatever, but people are going to read this and read it as being 100% accurate when it might not be in fact probably isn't 100% accurate just based on who's saying this so and even if it is accurate like there's so much that we have to like fill in the blank with with interpreting that about what that actually means what are the games going to look like and that's where the speculation starts to become a thing and you know I I I I love I love a good conspiracy theory I love them uh they're fun they're they're whatever but like you can't make conspiracy theories number one news no (laughs) like that's not i mean it's a fun little thing to like get into subreddits for but when we start making everything like everything is is made but maybe maybe hideo kojima is actually involved in netflix maybe netflix is owned by kojima and we'll find that out in the in the third act in some really long cut scene that we're watching for like an hour Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Unscramble the letters in Netflix and then get rid of some and add some more. And then it smells Hideo Kojima. <laughs> so real quick, sorry, to, to, to bring this back to actually talking about the service. Do you think it would be a game streaming service or do you think it would be a like download game service? I think game streaming is, is nowhere close to where it needs to be right now to like no. release that. Um, I mean... I, I am. I will still stick on as, as much as from a games perspective. I think Stadia was a failure. The technology perspective on Stadia is amazing. Um, yeah. I I will I will scream to anyone who wants to hear it. Like that is some cool stuff that you can do on your phone, on your TV. I was going to say you're doing it all the time right now. Yeah, and it works great. Yeah. Um. So like the technology is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it is there, but then you look at like Microsoft and I just not, I have not had great experiences with that on PC, on, uh, my phone. It's just not, yeah. it's not reliable enough yet. Uh, you still hear about input lag on PS now stuff when you're playing streaming games there. And that's another big company and stuff. And I think 
it, it, it's just going to be hard to sell people on streaming and make streaming something that brings in a lot of money unless it's perfect. And guess what? I don't think Netflix got it in six months. They can't do that. So it would probably be downloading of stuff. Um, but then where do you download this stuff to? You know, like, do you have to have the Netflix? Like, is it going to be on a yeah. smart TV or phone? Um, that limits the kind of games you can play on there. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I is it like it doesn't? It, this is not news that would excite me to think that. Ooh, Netflix is getting into games because I have so many other services that I can do this for. And I'm really worried that video games are going to become so much more about services than like uh, like systems and stuff. Just because I feel like my TV life right now, you got to get HBO Max, you got to get Netflix, you got to get Hulu, you got to get Disney Plus, you got to get Paramount Plus, you got to get all yep. these things, Apple TV and stuff. And like the more the more things you get, the more it just becomes I don't know like overwhelming, and I just start to disengage with that stuff. No, I. I- completely understand and that's the thing too like i i don't know i i think that you look at the library of how many games are in ps now it's like 700 games like it is not a small number and there are a lot of great games on there but I, it's just like for me the technology isn't and the technology is potentially there but it's not 100 to the point where like i really want to be dealing with it but then also like okay if it's another thing i have to subscribe to and if you know as the report says it will come free with a Netflix subscription. Well, it's still like, okay, now I got to open this app on my PlayStation instead of just playing the games. <laughs> yeah. you know, and I know first world problems, but it's it's nice to have everything in one easy, manageable place uh, instead of having to deal with with so many more things. Yeah, like when's the last time? When's the last time you like really? have been checking Netflix every day. Cause I feel like I don't do that really. Well, I'm, I'm just in general, not really a TV guy or like, a, I mean, I used to be more of a movie guy when I was in school, but like, yeah, I don't check it very often. But I also think that a big problem with it that I ran into was first of all, you know, they have to push their original content, but like back when it was just orange is the new black. And, um, I don't know. A handful of comedy specials like oh that was cool i'll check out orange is the new black because it's like the netflix show and then it sort of turned into you know there, there's a hundred netflix shows and it has the office on it but i think i think you nail it though like the there's almost so much original content on netflix that finding the good stuff and finding stuff that's not going to get canceled immediately is harder to do uh, yeah. than it used to be like when orange is the new black first came out that that was like all right as much watch must watch tv right now like this is this is yeah. great like high quality all this stuff and like th- the more that comes out the more you find out this netflix doesn't pick this up for another season it's canceled after two seasons like that kind of stuff you're hearing it more like it being like a thing and um i don't know well i think what's also weird about netflix and like i understand that other companies do this as well but maybe they just have been less candid about it or something but like netflix is very clear about like mm, i'm trying to be careful of how i'm wording this because I, I i want to stress before i say any of this like there's great content on netflix there and a lot of very hard-working people put a lot of their souls into making these shows and movies and stuff but the way that netflix corporate has sort of talked about their movies and shows it's a little bit more like product where they'll they're like people don't watch past a second season of a show 
So we're only going to make two seasons of every show. And uh, with some exception. And like, I get that, you know, you have your algorithm and you have to do what makes sense to do money, uh, money wise. But it's, it's sort of like, mm, it feels a little soulless. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, not to say that there are not hardworking people doing real things for their art form on that platform, but yeah. Just writing this down. Peter hates Netflix creators. Yep. Circled yeah, just it go ahead and on send my that to uh, whoever send it makes Stranger to John Things Netflix. or Yeah, I'm sure he cares what I, what I think. <laughs> again, it's good. There's good stuff on there. I like. Uh, the first season of Stranger Things. That's a loaded <laughs> sentence right there. Um, I liked Bob like Burns like comedy that, specials. Um, I like that uh, Marvel um, Stranger Things crossover. It was called Black Widow. Uh, Hopper played a like a Russian character, uh, like a Russian spy, yeah, yeah, Russian spy type character in there. That was pretty. And cool. And there's like characters in the extended universe who kind of have like you know psycho psychokinesis powers, mm. and yeah, no, that was cool. That was a fun one. That was a fun little romp. I did watch that on a different streaming service, unfortunately. Um, that was on Disney Plus. Oh, so, oh, weird, strange. Yeah, yeah. Remember when all the Marvel movies used to be on Netflix, and then they were yeah, gone, man. and now I uh, will mindlessly watch them on Disney Plus instead of Netflix. Yeah, they're they got some good flicks. Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> uh, that one's fine. That's low low tier for me, but um, they're fun. Hey, movies are fun. I got a degree in movies. <laughs> Oh, what a fucking waste. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I seriously, I got a degree in movies and then two months before I got the degree, <laughs> all movie theaters closed. If that's not a sign, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, hey, okay. Hey, here's something interesting. So recently there's been this discussion on Twitter, uh, as must happen once every three to four months about accessibility in games. And as we've covered on this show, just to reiterate, our stance is like more people playing games is good. There should be difficulty settings. There should be accessibility options. Putting that to rest. Uh, but someone talking about all this said that games are in a weird spot because they're a mix between toys and art. And because of that, a lot of people don't really understand how to talk about them. Even people who are industry veterans, even people who have been reviewing games for years and, and talking about games for years, because it is a mix between a toy and, and art, right? And so a toy is, should be enjoyed how you want to enjoy it, because that's, you know, what having fun is. And then art is oftentimes you want to view things um, through the lens of the creator, Right. And, and you want to experience it the way they want you to experience it. And all that was talking about, like, difficulty settings and how, like, well, easy mode isn't the intended experience and all that sort of stuff, um, which I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is when I got my movie degree, I learned all about the beginnings of film. And uh, there do you know what a zoetrope is? Is that a singer? Okay, so a zoetrope is like a big, uh, a big like tube that you spin that has slits inside of it. That when you look in, there are frames of movement, and it looks like a person's like riding a bike or like a horse galloping. They they figured out that horses at one point in time when they were galloping uh, leave the air entirely because they took pictures, a bunch of pictures of a horse running, and then they looked at all the different frames of it, and that was basically a little movie, right? And so. 
at the end of the day, a zoetrope is a loop. It just does the same thing over and over and over again. And then like the way we do movies is just, it's the same thing, just a bunch of frames all put together, right? But so zoetropes were the very beginnings of what movies were. And uh, there's one at the Brookfield Zoo, if you're familiar. There's like a monkey so swinging th- this around. This is like in The Conjuring, like the Crooked Man thing, right? In The Conjuring. I've never, you're talking to the wrong fella. Cool, 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 uh, cool. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. Um, zoetropes were viewed as parlor toys. You just had one in your parlor, and it was for kids to look at and be like, oh my gosh, look at the carriage going by, or oh my gosh, look at the man running, or whatever, right? And it's interesting because movies started out as this thing that everyone sort of viewed as a toy with really no uh, artistic value or anything like that. And then have now turned into this thing where, you know, film is, I mean, pretty much unquestionably art in the minds of just about everyone. Video games have had sort of a similar movement of starting off as this thing that is viewed as a toy for children and then has sort of blossomed into, and it is might be a little bit slower than movies, but uh, has blossomed into this idea that like, yeah, games are art and, and games are, able to convey just as complicated ideas as movies and can say things that books can't and can do all this sort of stuff. So I thought it was interesting that this guy said, you know, it's interesting that games are toys and art. Um, And that was interesting in the same way that film had a similar sort of beginning as a toy and then grew into this thing that is, you know, some hundred odd years later, like this is cinema art. Yeah. It's, it's funny because like you think about video games and like, you want a game to be fun to play moment to moment, right? And yeah. there are some games that can be challenging to play, but you can still enjoy them because like, of the, the greater experience that you're getting from playing that game. And even if it is something that like you might be upset with the controls or something like that, like eventually like, Hey, like this is still like an interesting game for what it did. Um, yeah. like I think of a lot of like, uh, like indie games and stuff like that, that you can play like before I forget was when I played last year that it wasn't like the best playing game ever, but what they did with it, I was like, this is art, man. It maybe yeah. is not like, uh, the, the fun way to, to, like, I didn't have fun playing it, but I enjoyed the experience of playing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And, like, a lot of this is, like, thinking about, like, what's the purpose of playing video games? Why are some, like, <laughs> why is this being made? Is this being made to to make multi-million dollar sales, or is this being made because it's a unique and, and creative idea? Yeah. Um, and I think that is, just like with film, the importance of indie versus studio, like large studio films, and indie versus large studio games. The indie games are, you know, not as big a budget. They work, they're, you know, they can be a little bit smaller. They try new creative things. But then you have your big games, like your Assassin's Creeds and everything, that are like, these are the games that everyone is going to play. And, like, they, these are the money makers, And they can help support other stuff, like... It is such a, a, a new medium, and I think people just can't... We still haven't really done a good job about coming up with ways to talk, critique, and think about games on a bigger level yet. We have, though. You and me. Hitbox. Oh, Hitbox. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Hitbox is on the cutting edge yeah. of uh, all things video games past, present, and future. That's a throwback to roughly... 52 weeks ago when Damn. this podcast was started. Hey, next wow. week is going to be a big one. Got some fun stuff planned for sure that we uh, 
definitely have planned for 52 yeah, episodes. Definitely. Like it's going to be like a lot of fun or whatever. Um, start a season two hitbox season two wow <laughs> yeah whole new changes uh yeah we'll, new we'll, hosts yeah new hosts this is actually my last weekend yeah. uh, my last uh, my last week so it's been a good year a can't wait to talk yeah. about next weekend with myself yeah oh uh, no is there, there's a replacement are you kidding me you oh think okay I didn't, you, there's a you think i'm leaving the show without replace yeah we're actually doing a new podcast um called the button bros that sounds like something else. Uh, yeah, yeah. We should, uh, we should, uh, <laughs> or workshop it a brainstorm bit. a name. <laughs> <laughs> Recording. I was, it. I was trying to have something just come off the top of my head, and I didn't have anything. <laughs> so, button bros, I suppose, is it. Uh, people like alliteration. That's uh, something I learned in marketing class in high school. Um, you know, all the great, the, all the best things have alliteration. Jewel Osco. Well, no, uh, that didn't have it. Uh, maybe all the worst things have alliteration. Julasco. Julasco. <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, thanks for sticking with us. My name is Peter Hunspitek. Hey, if you're interested, you can send us a tweet or a DM on Twitter at HitboxPod, or you can send us an email telling us what you think about all this with Netflix and Sony and Cahoots and the Steam Deck and uh video game sales and whatnot i i know that we're definitely interested in hearing what you have to say you can send us an email at hitboxofficialpodcast at gmail.com justin do you have anything to add before we wrap up here yeah uh breaking news from july 14th from blue box game studios uh they said we have changed the app name from real-time trailers to real-time experience so the app will be released as real-time experience what can you expect? Multiple trail trailers with durations between 5 to max 12 minutes. Gameplay demonstrations. Future live events. And there's a, also next to the, the trailers a little asterisk that said when available. So already game, game changing. Game Hold changing on. changes with Blue Box Game Studios. Read that last bit again. The asterisk. Uh, when available. <laughs> when available. H-I. Oh my gosh, that's an anagram for Hideo Kojima. Yeah, if you read like the first, like everything that's capitalized, it spells Rizzerbaterial. Which, as we know, is Japanese for I am making the video game abandoned. (laughs) Oh, we have fun here. Hey, thanks for listening. We will catch you all next week. Until then, always remember that old games are old. See you later. (laughs) Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>